When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn it up to an acceptable volume. An acceptable volume, uh, playable, but not, not blasting your ears. Turn it to that level. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's go. Not just an episode of the podcast, a very special edition of the podcast. Uh, earlier today, recorded a, about a 40-minute conversation with Bomani Jones. He's not, So it's not going to be live. It's not going to be live, but got a good 40 minutes in with him just to make the schedules work out. And we covered so many topics. You guys know Bomani, one of the big Jokic appreciators. One big, of the only. One of the only, but one of the biggest ones who's been at this for a long time, kind of defending him, just saying, hey, man, I don't know. I think you got it wrong. So I thought we had a good conversation. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about some other stuff, including, yes, we all know, Chris Mannix had a take heard around the world. Um, and today's story is really reacting to Chris Mannix's take. I don't know if you guys noticed that. It's like the top story on the Internet today. We're going to talk about that and also an all-time video with the Jokic brothers right here with me to talk about those things later in the show. I got Brendan Vogt. Happy to be here. Not a lot for me to do in this pod, but that's okay. It's, I'm like Jokic coming down off the cross. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, come I'm off just, the cross, man. I'm just hanging out. Bomani's got us. Get rid of hell. And then over here, we got uh, the man with the wind in his hair. Harrison. Uh, stick around for after Bomani when I tear down Chris Mannix. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that. And like I said, guys, we had a 40-minute conversation. It was great. Yeah, I had a, somebody connect us, you know, Bomani to us. And I, as part of the preparation, I had sent him the documentary. It's just this thing of, like, here's some stuff we've done or whatever. The Serbian documentary. The Serbian documentary, of course, 100, 100 Invisible, Invisible Threads. Threads. You can check it out online. And to my surprise, when he showed up this morning to do the Zoom call, he's like, oh, yeah, I watched it. Had notes, had thoughts. And I was just like, man. what?" I mean, that's, that's classic Bomani. He, <laughs> well, he watches the Nuggets, so he has takes about them, so he's informed. Right. Before he talks with you, he watches the Serbia documentary, so he knows what he's going into. I mean, hats off to Bomani, just yeah. a prepared media person in, in a landscape of unprepared media people. So without further ado, let's get to it. This is Bomani Jones on Jokic, Denver, and the Nuggets. I'm so glad you watched the documentary. I, 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 it, because to me, that story was so interesting about, we just think European, right? This is just European. And there's this whole Yugoslavia slash Serbia history that is, if you were to say the most important international basketball histories, US, Soviet Union slash Lithuania too. And then after that, it's probably Yugoslavia. And so the fact that he's this obscure European is actually kind of incorrect. He actually comes from a very important tradition of basketball, basketball tradition. And has a very Yugoslav game, like the yep. Eastern European game. Even if you take it to like a Sharunas Marcelona's, I think he's Lithuania, right? Right. It's, for lack of a better term, it is more uh, reminiscent of the African-American style of basketball mm. than you get. You know, there's like, I was watching a video the other day of Jokic and that, you know, taking people behind your back and the no-look passes, like the right. flair that's there. 
you don't get that from the Western European players nearly as much. It just as a whole wing of dudes. But like, like I think about that Hezonia dude, right? Like it's just like, oh, you look very familiar, son. <laughs> right, right. And it's and it's because you look a lot like that. You like I said, Yugoslav ball is just a whole different ball. It, it is it it has a culture and tradition, and I hadn't thought about it really in an aesthetic oh. sense. Right. in the way that I did after watching the documentary. So my theory now, having gone to Serbia and spent that time and talked to so many people, so you look at Luka, because I, I think we get reduced this too often to what is the right basketball? Do we have it right? Is AAU the wrong way? Is there the academy version the right way? I think it's there is no right, and no player can get everything. But Luka grows up in the Yugoslav tradition, or Serbian tradition. His father's Serbian. He goes to Spain, which has this different... Uh, tradition. He goes to uh, Real Madrid, a very good tradition, and he gets a little bit of that. And then he comes to the U.S. And I actually think he is a confluence of three cultures of basketball. And that's part of what makes him so unique. He's less Serbian than Jokic is, you know, in terms of how he plays. He's more American, but he's not fully. It's like he's this blend. And then lastly, Bo, one thing I always say that's interesting, I'm curious what you think of this. I think losing Kobe Bryant, of all the things we lost, I think he would have bridged the gap between the influx of new European players and the sort of pushback or the reluctance to accept because he yeah. had that background in him and he just seemed to have this appreciation for it in a way that I don't know that every American player necessarily does. Yeah, I think that in terms of the is there a better way to do it, I do think there's something to consider with Europeans and I think this happens in different ways in the States. Like it's worth noting when you talk about the places that are quote unquote basketball states in America, they got like all white people, right? right it's like right. Kansas, Iowa, but you look at Iowa and Iowa produce players, right? So you think right. about like uh, Kirk Heinrich and Nick, I mean, yeah, Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison at the same time in Kansas. Those are two legitimate NBA players who had like double digit year careers and they're both from Iowa, right? right. My theory on that is, you don't have to, you can't jump to the assumptions about these guys if everybody there is white. Like if you're watching the right. NFL and the super fast white guys, like the Cooper Cup types or whatever, they all tend to come from these middle of nowhere places with nothing but white people because there's nobody to tell you that you're not fast, right. nobody to tell you that you're not right. this, right? And so what I feel like we get out of European players, and Jokic is a great example, Americans were very quick to focus on, I think, their perceptions of what he could not do. And that, I think, to the detriment of considering simply what he could do. Right. You know, right. so even if you take a player like Zach Randolph, who is the athletic comp to Jokic, Jokic is a lot bigger right. than him. But, you know, Zach Randolph can't jump. Zach Randolph couldn't right. do all of those things. But people didn't have as hard a time buying into the idea that Zach Randolph could be a good basketball player in spite of those things. But he still only got drafted like in the 20s because he didn't have the athleticism that you think of as needing at the top. I think somebody like Luca, who is athletic, but not vertically athletic, which I think is also fair to say about Jokic, right? They're right, athletic, yep. but not vertically athletic. But if you have led yourself to believe that you have to be a, an athlete in a somewhat narrow way, then you're going to miss out on guys who have figured out ways to do these other things. Like Larry Bird always said, the most overrated skill in basketball is jumping. And there is a real argument to that. He was quick, right? Like it was still a very fast twitch game that Bird had. It just wasn't a vertical game. And the vertical right. game could be cool to watch. And you don't need so many people who can do that. But if you lock in on what guys can do, and that seems to be, to me, the difference between the 
systems overseas versus the systems in America is also probably not different than what people say about the system with soccer, that Americans right. are way too fascinated with athleticism and not enough about whether you can actually play the game. Right. I think there's some to it. The other thing I, I think about with regards to this is how much do you think the game of basketball has already been discovered and how much do you think is left to be discovered? Because I think a lot of analysis comes down to, well, we need to find the next mold of an established thing. And Jokic yes. is obviously such a different mold. And so that's why you write him off as, ah, you need a rim. You just need Clint Capella. Roll to the rim, block a shot. That's the mold. And when something different comes along, and so for me, I look at it and I go, Steph Curry is the one that opened my eyes to this. I thought I knew basketball. We we had discovered it all and we know <laughs> about it. Then Steph Curry comes around and you go, wow, we actually don't know anything about it. There's a whole new paradigm. I think Jokic is very much in that mold where it's, wow, you can win a completely different way than we imagined. And not just win, but it opens up new possibilities for what the game can be. And being really good at passing, you can do that from anywhere. Because I feel yeah. like, Passing as a there's a couple levels to passing to me. One is the vision part of it, and the other part is core strength. And I don't yeah. think that people talk nearly enough about about like you know, like think about this for a second. When Kevin Love hit the league, and our big thing was whoa, he outlet passes like Wes Unsell. Should we really have had to go back 30 years <laughs> to so get an true. example? Right. And the only one I can think of in between that I really thought of and just jumping out as outlet passes are guys like Oliver Miller and Otis Thorpe. Like, this doesn't seem like something that would be that difficult to do unless you got to be really, really strong to pump the ball that far, that fast, with the touch that's required, you know, and everything that comes with it. And I think Jokic doing, you know, getting a rebound with one hand coming down, never bringing the ball to the second half and then throwing it down there, like, that's an athletic skill. Those are skills that can be fortified. Yeah. Those are skills that can be worked on. And as much as the game moves toward these three-point shots in the end, we see this with the postseason. I think it's a big thing with, like, the high-variance level of play you see from Boston. When it gets to the end of the year, man, you just got to be able to go down there and get buckets, get right. easy buckets, yep. get close buckets. And I think an evolution that you could get from somebody like Jokic is the appreciation for the easy bucket. Because what he does that I think is very important is that in the playoffs, it's just hard to get easy buckets. My buddy Howard mm -hmm. Bryan always makes the point, in the playoffs, the 15-foot is an 18-footer, 18-foot is a three-pointer, and a three-pointer might as well be from the moon. You mm -hmm. know, like everything changes once you get to that point. And now you've got a dude whose big job is, or what he does more than anything else, is make sure everybody gets good shots. And not in a, like, your Chris Paul and John Stockton type guys are too small. Because at some point, you make them take the shot, and then they just can't do it. It's right. not the case with this big giant dude right. that's out here. And so maybe that becomes, you know, sort of the level of exploration where the ball movement doesn't have to come from around, right? Or the idea that as a big man, like you don't have to be what Big Vic from France appears to be as a ball handler, which is just mind-boggling. I can't believe that a seven-foot-four dude is doing stuff like that. But if you can get the ball off the glass and just capably get it up the floor and push the action and get into the shot clock faster and all of that stuff, that's really all you need to be able to do. Right, right. I think the thing that people got wrong with Jokic was that tough shot-making part. I think everybody threw that aside as, well, he doesn't do it a lot in the regular season, therefore he can't do it. But when you watch him a lot, he's a great tough shot-maker. And I kind of like one of the things I really like about this run so far in round two, Kevin Durant had a quote after a game where he said, I hate when he makes those shots. He makes them all the time, and it just it's so demoralizing. And then last round, 
uh, LeBron James says, you know, you have to tip your hat. Like, what can you do? You guard him perfect. <laughs> and then he throws something from over the head. And when you watch it once, you probably look at it and go, hey, man, that was garbage. That was that was luck or whatever. And it was a little luck. I mean, let's be honest. But he makes it. It's a little less lucky when he does it because it's just something about him. He has this touch yeah. where he can throw things at weird angles. So he is a great tough shot maker in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, he can, yeah, he can make those tough shots, but what I love more than anything was, I've talked about this a lot, and this was the moment when I was like, oh, I think Denver's going to win the championship. It was game four against Minnesota. Um, and when they were down 12 or something late, and then it was just like, all right, boys, enough of that shit. Boom, Murray hits a three. Take the ball, because Minnesota loves to find a way to lose, right? right? Get the ball back. Murray makes another three. Porter makes a three. And then poor Rudy Gobert, who's just food every time Jokic seems to come yeah. across him. But it was time to get the bucket, and Jokic's move was, I'm going to hit you in the chest about five times. That's the part that I think that people lost sight of, is that I can just go take this, right? Because I think that when you see all the – you're typically not going to win in the postseason if your best player is passing the ball to everybody. Your best right. player has got right. to be able to go out here and get the bucket when you need it. It didn't have to be complex, Right. It can be, I'm just going to bang through this dude or like these crazy jump hooks because Jokic also has great hands, which is something yep. that I think as our consideration of the game goes farther and farther away from the post, we think less and less about the importance of just having good hands or just the importance of being strong. Like, why is Jimmy Butler able to do the stuff he does above all else? He's strong. Kawhi yeah. Leonard is strong. And Kawhi in the playoffs, in strong matters a lot. And so we got a 6'11", 285-pound dude who's really strong, but not a great rim protector. And those of us of a certain age, what's the difference? Like, if you are a good offensive center and you're not a great rim protector, why are you not Kevin Duckworth, right? Because right, right. that's what, that's what Jalil Okafor's issue ultimately proved to be, is that right. he was Kevin Duckworth. He couldn't do the other big man stuff. And it felt like Jokic couldn't do the other big man stuff. But the truth is, he can do enough of them capably. Right. Not great. Right. Never going to be. But he can do enough of them capably. And I think that, for me at least, was just the, what kind of center are we talking about here if you can't control the paint? And that's what took a long time for me to come around on. You don't even have to go back to Duckworth. You can go to Ennis Cantor. Because I think yes. we're, we're past this now. But four years ago, you saw the comp where it's like, yeah, Jokic is nice. But what happened to Ennis Cantor in the playoffs? You're like, hold on, hold on. That's different <laughs> levels of nice. Like, <laughs> Ennis Cantor is nice, but it, it's not it's not what Jokic is doing. And I love the point about the hands because you never talk about that as an important skill. But how many points a game does Jokic's hands add to the Nuggets? It honestly is one or two buckets a game where he just grabs a rebound somehow, sucks it into yeah. his fingertips and puts it back in. And it, it mattered. It adds up. Yeah, and he's got this weird thing where he can't jump, but his second jump is really yeah. quick. Yeah. I know that doesn't make sense to people, but it's really what it is. Yeah. It's not a lot of jumping, but when it's time to get that second jump, it's like go-go gadget arms or something. Yeah. Like I think it was a Paul George um, talking about that on his podcast. He's like, you don't realize how long that dude is. Right. right. You know, these, these yeah. simple things matter when you're talking about who is or isn't a good basketball player. Right. And you And you talk about the toughness, too. I mean, he is, it's like chess boxing to go against him because it's a little bit of, of rough and tumble where you've got it to your point, Rudy Gobert at the end of the game just has to be a, a wall, right? He has to be the most physical player, but on any other possession, maybe it's all finesse and it's about balance and he's trying to get you. So you're constantly doing the balance thing with the, the tough thing with the finesse thing and just the way he mixes them back and forth keeps everybody off balance. And I think, again, the more you watch, you watch it once, you might not see it because maybe he only went to power or only went to finesse. But when you watch him over and over again, you see how he's every play, he's mixing something in to get you off balance. And this also, this year, more than any, was the year that he had to look in his eye of, 
Yeah. Nobody can do anything with me. It's a little different. It's the, hey, I'm pretty good. Hey, let me see if this works. No, 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 no. It was none of these guys can do anything with me. Like you see the thing with Landale was talking about this with people right. like, yeah, they're like, look, Anthony Davis is 10 times better than him. And that's why the Lakers have a chance. And he's like, yeah, he might be 10 <laughs> times better than me. That doesn't matter right. in this case. Right. <laughs> like That's a wild thing to say while also being 100% correct. He could be right. 100 times better than me. It's not going to affect what we're doing here. Well, Bo, this is why it's so fun being, being me right now, You know, be a DNVR, because this was one of the things going into the playoffs. You said it's the first time he's had the look in his eye, and I think that's true. He, he knew the last few years it was all for naught. He had that look in moments, but not a man on a mission. This year he is. But – this was a prediction coming in when people said, well, they got Rudy Gobert or they got Anthony Davis. It's like, it does not matter. And the same, by the way, if they get Miami in, in Bam Adebayo. Oh, that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> a great defender, top three defensive center in all the NBA, below the threshold, below the threshold of what makes an impact. And if it's below the threshold, he might as well be Jock Landale because it's the same thing and you're getting the exact same look. So um, I'm glad he's on this run. All right, that, take a little break here because we got to do an ad break. But first, you could tell he watches Jokic. You know what I mean? It's not like I've seen him. You could tell he his takes have depth to them about Jokic. Yeah, he's doing his job, which we respect. <laughs> which we really respect. If you're a national media person and you watch the Nuggets, you, you're in our club. But it's not just that. Like We have players that we watch that if you don't love, you maybe don't have the depth of knowledge because you're like, what do I need to know about this guy versus what do I want to know about this guy? And you could tell that there's a lot he wants to know about Jokic, which again is probably why he watched the documentary. He didn't have to do that, but it's like, yeah, I'll learn a little bit more backstory here because this guy is compelling to me, which yeah. I appreciate. Let's take a break. Lots more Bomani coming up uh, after the break, but we got to pay the bills. Join over 75,000 golfers with the Colorado Golf Association today and receive an official USGA handicap with worldwide access to score posting and GPS tracking. Uh, it's May 25th today. The weather, it's on the upswing. It's golf season. Uh, so get set up with the CGA. Join 75,000 golfers with the Colorado Golf Association. If you are a member of the CGA, you get more opportunities to play exclusive courses around the state like Aspen Glen Club, the Club at Ravina, the Pinery, and more. Members also gain access to exclusive member content with offers and discounts from national and local companies, including Imperial, Golf Tech, PGA Tour Superstore as well. So learn more about the CGA today by visiting coloradogolf.org. Use code DNVR5 to get $5 off your membership. ColoradoGolf.org. Use code DNVR5 to get $5 off your membership. You want to be linked up with the CGA as we head into the summer and with golf season here. Also, now that it's summer, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last with Shady Rays. They have a Memorial, Memorial Day sale going on right now. It's starting today. Shady Rays Memorial Day Sale is live. Go to ShadyRays.com. Get 35% off all sunglasses. All sunglasses, 35% off at ShadyRays.com. This Memorial Day Sale goes through the 31st. So today, the 25th through the 31st, get 35% off all sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Try yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250 thousand people shady rays they've got awesome sunglasses for every occasion way more affordable and way more durable than some of those expensive brands that you've probably been wasting your money on over the years. shadyrays.com 
They got the Memorial Day sale going on right now. 35% off all sunglasses. All right, enough of us. Let's get back to Bomani. I want to rewind it, though. We got conversational right off the bat here, which I love. But I want to, I, I want to get your opinion about the Denver Nuggets. What do you think about when you hear the Denver Nuggets? Do you think about the Denver Nuggets or what comes to mind? Yeah, I guess I'm old enough to go through enough iterations and evolutions of them. Like I remember the what in the world Paul Westhead era of the Nuggets yeah. and the you know Man. the mo you know the mo era you get before that then the depths, right? Yeah. Things got terrible the but the like the fun of the 94 team, right? Like that one's just one that always stands out from watching that series. But like you would go to the mall in 94 and I once saw five dudes, and they all had different Nuggets jerseys on, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they had Jalen Rose, Brian Stith, you know, yeah. Matumbo. You know, you could go up and down the line. And so it's almost it's always been this up-down thing with them. But the thing I think people always have to remember is because of that built-in home court advantage of playing at altitude, the Nuggets are always fun because the Nuggets were always fast. Like, that right. was always going to be the game plan and the move for them. Then you get to the Carmelo era, which, I mean – I contend and will always contend. The problem was probably George Carl far more than it was ever Carmelo. Um, it is, though, that being said, fascinating that the best year of that run was the year that Carmelo only scored 22 points a game because they got Chauncey Billups and finally had a grown-up in right. place. Now, right. granted, that was one of the most what-are-you-doing teams that I could ever yep. recall in the history of mankind. It was like yep. J.R., Kenya Martin. It was a whole lot of fellas. Birdman, yeah. Oh, Birdman was on that team, too. I forgot. Like, <laughs> fellas, fellas, what are we doing here? Um, but... I've made the point that this is the first time in my life that the Nuggets have been a legitimate championship contender, which is true, but I've never, I've, I or nor anyone else, I've never viewed them like I viewed the Kings or one of these hmm. other teams where the Kings even had their moment where they were up, but just a historically moribund franchise. The Nuggets never really had that feel. Right. The thing about the Nuggets for me that nobody ever brings up, and so I think it's I'm wrong about this, is they, to me, are a quintessential ABA team. Even yes. their name, Nuggets, is probably the dumbest name in all of sports, but I love it because it's so dumb. And it, you know, you think about like the semi-pro movie. To me, that's the Nuggets just evolved into the NBA version. They they were that. And their stories, hilarious stories of some of the stuff they used to do to get people in the building and, and all the different things. So to me, they're a quintessential ABA team that has just gone all this time. I mean, they're basically almost an original NBA team and have gone all this time with no success. So they're almost a lovable loser, but also like uh, they tether the NBA back to those old roots, in my mind, at least. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think a wild thing about the ABA that gets lost is the Spurs are the only of the ABA teams to have won a championship even to this day. Like the Nuggets hmm. will be the last of them to make the finals, but the Pacers only made the finals once. Right. The Nets literally needed the worst Eastern Conference ever right. to right. make those two trips to the finals. Like it's a really interesting look at how important being entrenched in something actually is like, look at what it took for the Spurs to do it. They had to win two once in a lifetime lotteries, right? you know, right. to, to build it into what they had. But I think the ABA point is good, especially like when you consider that, I mean, pre Jokic, at least the best player in the history of this franchise is probably still David Thompson, which is yes. probably as ABA a name yep. as anybody could come up with. I lived in North Carolina for 10 years. So David Thompson is right. like a God that has an aura and halo around him. But from this very particular era of basketball, that's in line with what I think what I talked about stylistically about them. That was fast, fun basketball. And right. the Nuggets have always, even when they weren't that good at it, the game had always been fast, fun basketball. 
I love that you brought up DT because whenever, you know, Alex English is the top scorer or was the top scorer for a long time. He carried the eighties and this or that. But whenever I talk to the old timers about the nuggets, it's always David Thompson. You know, they liked fat lever. They liked Alex English. They liked Matumbo or whatever, but it's always a story. I saw David Thompson on a Thursday here and he did this, said this, whatever. And that's where the eyes light up. So he is, I think, like you said, a quintessential ABA player who, who brings that nostalgia out. What about the city of Denver? You're good at you're good at working out a city. What, what what do you think of when you think of Denver? So interestingly, I have only been to Denver once. I came to Denver five years ago to see Stevie at Red Rocks. It was a combination of a whole lot of things that I wanted to get all together at one time. And so I got there. So Denver, and I spent most of the time that I was there in downtown Denver. And it was interesting because it was probably a little smaller than I had envisioned in my head. Like I got this theory about America is my theory of dots. Every state got a dot. So every state has some city that we've all heard of. And we come up with what it is in our minds because duh, it has a dot, but I'm from the South. Like Birmingham has the dot. Right. Okay. Jackson yeah, has yeah. the dot. It does little rock. None of those places are as big as you think they are, no matter how small you happen to think they are off the top, if all you know about them is that they have the dot, right? right. Denver was interesting to me, and I guess in the parts of town that I was in, because <clears throat> it, you know, it had kind of that bohemian feeling that I think that people would assume of a place where people smoke that much weed, right? right. And it's the yep. whole kind of westernness altitude sort of thing of it. But I found it to be more urban than I would have thought that it was, just because the association with it is just of mountains. And right. so if you're not from mountain places, reconciling the idea of being urbane and mountainous at the same time um, is kind of difficult, but it's an interesting place, I think for the American consciousness, because we're all aware of it. And it's kind of like there are four major league teams there because it's kind of the center for this whole geographic sort of right. area, but doesn't have that much as terms of cultural exports. Yeah. that I can think of. And so people don't really have that thing that they could point to. Then the weed thing happened and all of a sudden everybody felt like they could bond. Right. They're like, oh yeah, Denver, that's yeah. my yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I think of Denver, along these same lines that you're talking about, it to me, it embodies the spirit of the West, which is a, if you were, you know, the, on the East Coast back to, 200 years ago, you want to go West to get away from the rat race and away from that and to stake out your own claim, but you're not necessarily looking for fame. And I think Denver has evolved into that. So the export, the idea of not having a lot of cultural exports, I wonder if it's rooted in that idea of at its core, it wasn't trying to export culture. It was trying yes. to go away from culture. And now it's this like oasis where it's obviously a city and things have changed. But I do wonder if there's a little bit of there. And I brought it up because, you know, Michael Malone right now is playing this underdog. Nobody talks about his card. And he is banging that drum very loudly. And he is not wrong about it. And people, no, I think, not. are a little bit annoyed about it. But at the same time, I wonder how much of that is we're complaining about the thing that is who we are. We we are we are here for a reason, and Denver is just never going to get that look. And we can pretend, why does nobody pay attention to us? It's actually a feature, not a bug. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you that Malone has a point. And I think that we could even go farther on Malone having a point, kind of push back slightly against the point that you made, which was, America sure as hell knew who John Elway was, right? <laughs> like, like so, yeah, some things yeah. do sneak out of there, right? Okay. You things got to tiptoe yeah. out. But with the Nuggets, I can't think of a team that was basically wire to wire number one in a conference and people were coming up with reasons that the number seven team with its perhaps best player on one foot 
right. was going to beat them. Like, I do think it took a lot for people to believe in what this team was, but I also think that's truly a function of people not watching them play. And that the whole thing about the mountain time zone kind of being a vortex, there's something to it, right? Like just to the, to the very idea. So if you think about this, particularly with basketball, and I think that it's important to talk about it with basketball because the time zone part doesn't matter with football. The right. the schedule is all done at yep. East Coast friendly times. It doesn't come up. It really only comes up with basketball. Now, when you start talking about basketball to the West, you're talking really about the Lakers. That's about it. The Suns had their different runs where they mattered and they were near the top of the league. You know, the Barkley years, the seven seconds or lesser, all that stuff. And the Nuggets ne never really had that chance. And so they wound up being the team that felt like they got the second half of the TNT doubleheader because all the California teams are out somewhere. And so, like, that's how I wound up watching yoga. Just like, oh, hey, look what's going on here. You know, I stopped mixing them up with Nurkic, and then I realized, okay, right. like, yeah. you know, th this this is what we got going. And so I do think that – I don't think that people watch them enough, and therefore the impressions I think that people had of the team became defined by the analytics dorks. Right. Yeah. And it wound up being a pushback against them because they were the biggest champions of Jokic. And few things say I don't really watch the basketball quite like the, you know, pushing the analytics. Now, of course, those analytics doors watch more basketball than anybody else. Right. But I think part of that, I think because people lean so hard on the advanced numbers, people skipped over the simple, obvious stuff. And they felt like it was all a con, you know? And yeah. I, I, to me, that's the thing. Like, the part that I think that people don't get about the Nuggets and why I felt good about them and why even as they were building it, I was like, watch out for this. I was like, if Aaron Gordon's your fourth best player and Michael Porter is your third best player, you probably got a really good team. Yeah. And KCP too, who just is such a champion. Like he's such a, uh, there's role players and then there's great role players who know exactly. I always say KCP is always right on time. Meaning he yeah. just sees, has this sense for, all right, they need me to knock something down here. And then he's there. And then the rest of the time, he's just kind of out of the way. But so I like that point. But the tragedy of Jokic, I don't know, tragedy is too dramatic. But one of the things about Jokic is that he's a proxy for so many things. Somehow he is at the center of so many battles analytics versus eye test, American versus European, white versus black, score, get a bucket, you know, versus pass the ball. And I, I think it actually confuses you to think about him in these ways. But I just wonder. You know, are all athletes, is this just the day and age we are that everybody is a proxy for some other thing and he just happens to be the perfect mix of everything? Why yeah, is I, he a proxy? Yeah, I think everybody's always been a proxy. Like, this is just mm -hmm. what we do. Um, this is also the way the sports gets into bigger spaces is by using people as proxies. Like, that's the Good broadest point. way to go about it. Because honestly, man, people just want to watch games. Most people don't want to talk about them. Most people don't. Yeah. Like, the levels of analysis that we get into, the out of the how, like, 9 million people that are watching some of these games maybe a million of them care about it, you know, the ways that we care about it. But I also think that part of why it becomes a proxy is because he doesn't really talk. Yeah, and so we, true. and so we wind up doing a lot of the talking for him, but the European part is interesting because <laughs> what he hasn't gotten is what dirt got. And what dirt got was the, you're soft until he wasn't soft. And don't get me wrong. A lot of that's Dirk's fault. Dirk, Dirk right. did a lot to lead us down the road to get right. there. He let David West touch his face and didn't do nothing about it. Like, whoa, right. okay, that brings it. I guarantee you none of those Jokic boys would allow right. such behavior uh, to take place. 
Um, but Jokic never got that. Like, and Luca, interestingly, doesn't get the European skepticism because I think his game fits an aesthetic that people can recognize more. But I just don't think that people could look at that dude with that physique where I always say he looked like he went to the gym and held up that Tom Brady combine picture and was like, make me look like this. Right. I just don't I just don't <laughs> think that people could rationalize the idea that that guy could actually be that good. I wonder if he would be looked at differently if he had tattoos. I mean, you've seen his brothers, tattoos yes. head to toe, and they just have a look of tough to them. And I wonder yeah. if Jokic would adopt that if he just did that. Yeah, I don't, the problem is you can't be flabby with them tattoos them boys got. You know what I mean? Like you got you got a you got a hold of your perfect attendance yeah. at the gym before they even think about giving you the tat those tattoos. Unless you're gonna be like the Canadian earthquake in wrestling, like that's the only way you can kind of pull that off while still being a little flabby. Yeah. I do think, though, like in today's day and age, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, but if I were to say CrossFit, is that liberal or conservative? It's conservative. If you if you like walked in, if I told you there was like a thin yes. blue line flag hanging <laughs> up in a CrossFit gym, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just exercising. It's not one yes. of these things, but we associate it. And so that's why I wonder if Jokic, for whatever reason, because you're right, he doesn't talk but has been filtered into this. We know exactly what he is and about, and it actually doesn't make sense, but we just, it makes sense in our mind for some reason. I tell you this though. I wish he could do one thing to mess people's heads up. Like, I don't know if it was like this back when this gentleman played in Denver, but have you ever seen Nurkic in his own clothes? <laughs> in his own clothes. What do you mean? Like in his old, in his okay. like Bosnian clothes? No, no. I mean, I went to summer league last year and I look over and it's this six nine dude in a Gucci sweatsuit yep. and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, and I get closer and I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> is that Yusuf Nurkic? Yeah. Like, like he looks like yeah. like he isn't quite all the way to the Tyler Hero portion right. of it, yeah. but it yeah. is definitely clear that he yeah. has taken on the aesthetic of his new cohort. I would love it because I love seeing Jokic show up. He got them clean suits with the turtlenecks yeah. or whatever. Like, he definitely yeah. got a style to him. But if one day he showed up dressing like yeah. Tyler Hero, oh, he'd be a star. His like brothers that. do, by the way. And and I I went to Serbia last summer. I can attest, the tracksuit, the matching color tracksuit, is very yes. popular, very popular. I can see Wife it. beater, tracksuit, <laughs> gold chain. That's 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 the look. Eastern um, Europe, boy, I can take you to the far reaches of Brooklyn. That's, that, that's where they at. Exactly. Um, I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony here. Actually, there's one thing I was going to get for Jokic real quick. Is there something you wish you could know about Jokic? Because you said he's very private. Is there anything you ever wonder? And you're like, I would love to know this about him. I just always want to know what it's like to be a European player learning mm -hmm. about America through the prism of the NBA. Right. Like, yeah. like for that to be your normal yeah. is just a, I, I, I'm always fascinated, fascinated by this. I would just love like his moments where he looked up and realized, oh, it is a little different. I think this is why he doesn't talk very much, to be honest with you. And there was a great quote you might have missed. Uh, maybe it was six months ago. Stephen Adams was being interviewed about his relationship with Jokic. And he said, don't you know, all of us foreign players get together and just talk shit about the American players. <laughs> <laughs> and he was yes. just so candid and honest. And I, by the way, that's a two-way street, I think. But yes. a little. Oh, yeah. but I just thought it was so refreshing to be like, all right, yeah. I thought. Look, I'm, I'm just glad he called him American. That's all. That's <laughs> I could have got a little dicey, right? I'm just, I'm just right. glad. I'm just glad. But at the same time, man, yeah. if it's three black people in an office of 40 white people, what you think's happening yeah. at 501 to get yeah. together to talk about the white folks? <laughs> my, my take about Jokic is that he's never joking and never lying. 
And yeah. we always laugh because it's so absurd. But I think when he's asked some of these culture questions, you know, and he'll reflect back an oh, absurd answer, it's him being serious about, why are you guys asking me what I think about something besides that? Like, I don't know what I think about that. Why, why do you care? And he's being genuine, I think, in just his, I don't know how else to answer that. Bomani's the best, man. I love the way, the, the point about, um you know, his take on experience in America through fame and as a player. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard him reflect on that. Nicola, that is. The only time I can think of is when he's kind of referred to the media cycle and yeah. the whole song and dance routine of playing a game and then talking to the media. He's kind of referred to that as a circus. Yeah. That's the only time I feel like we've really gotten his actual feelings on that. But is that America or is that media in America that he's that's a circus? I think that's just the NBA to him. Right. He also said something about the NBA once where he was talking about how guys get injured and then yeah. just the next guy up. And yeah. it's just like the show must go on. Right. He right. said that maybe. By the a way, watching EuroLeague Final Four, they play ten guys, yeah. and they play. It really is like I kept asking, like, who are the starters? And like, oh, I don't know who it is tonight, but it doesn't yeah. matter. So I, I like, think I think he has matter. this sense of the NBA as this kind of circus conveyor belt thing, where the show just goes on no matter what. I also think if you asked him to reflect on these things in English. He yeah. would find it frustrating. And right. that's it's I specific. Agree. I'll go quick on this. It's it's not that he hasn't learned how to speak English. It's that my brief my limited understanding is that being from Sambor, so much of the talk is in expressions and proverbs and Man. sentiments that I don't think translate directly through English. And that's how you would reflect on something like this. And so I think it's why you see him sort of get frustrated and essentially not do it when we try to ask questions that are of this nature. And I don't know this. I mean, this would be a great honestly, that exact thread would would be so interesting to pull on from Jokic and I don't know that he would be willing to open up that much about right. it to be honest with you I don't think he enjoys sharing those types of things right but that's not even like a in a scrum one question that's like you got to sit down and talk back and forth to a guy for 20 minutes to really get uh you know how he feels about the the culture or whatever but that's the thing is that he experiences it two ways one as a public figure because his experience in America is different than everyone else's. He's insanely famous and stands out because he's seven feet tall. Um, but I do wonder just a little bit about, you know, you we go to another culture for one week and there's some part of it where you're just curious and immersed and you want to ask course. questions or this or that. He's been here for so long and I just wonder how curious he is about American culture or how much he's like, I'm just in a place and I don't care about any of it. I, I think, think it's it, that one. I think it's on a scale and I do think I it's closer. I don't think he's that curious at all. I think he thinks what we do over here is crazy. Yeah. And he thinks how we talk about the NBA and just how our culture is wired. Well, that's media, though, again, but yes. But no, I, how that extends to all walks of life. I think he just thinks it's insane. Yeah. And he doesn't want much to do with it. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think wish... he's made up his mind on that. Yeah. And I, that's I, fine. I agree. I agree. I do wish he had a horses in a stable and all that stuff. But you're right. Yeah. As much as you love horses, those are for back home. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, a little bit more Bomani. We do talk about Carmelo. We keep talking about the Nuggets, though, in general, because he had some great stuff uh, on that front as well. Volo Sports is the largest social sports company in the entire country. We're playing in a league, Cherry Creek Bowling, Monday nights. If you don't have a team, you can sign up with the Volo Pass. It's a monthly membership program that gives unlimited access to sports events and social activities every night. Unlimited pickup, drop-ins, and tournaments. You can be, you know, some teams 
trade deadline acquisition, $20 a month, minimum three month membership or $200 per year. There's also a beta version available for $10 a month for three months. Uh, Volo has leagues throughout the entire city, including Lodo, Rhino, Uptown City Park, Highlands, Sloan's Lake, Cherry Creek, DU, Englewood, Arvada, Aurora, Northfield, wherever you live, you can get in with Volo. Uh, if you did not sign up for the May leagues, get your Volo pass now. Start playing leagues as a free agent today. Sign up, play tonight. Make sure to use code DNVR10 for $10 off at www.volosports.com slash DNVR, volosports.com slash DNVR. Uh, at Illegal Pete's, it is patio season this episode of the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Spring is here. That means patio beers are here as well. Kick off the spring season with a house beer bucket for you and your whole crew. With that house beer bucket, you get five refreshing 16-ounce beers for $15. Doesn't get much better than that. Come soak up the sun with a loaded burrito and a crisp beer at the patio of any Illegal Pete's location. The two Illegal Pete's I go to most often, Colfax and then South Broadway. Great patios on both of them. Great patios. Illegal Pete's your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer <coughs> as it starts hailing outside. Just a, It's so dark outside. so ominous. You would think it's 9 o'clock at night. Uh, more Bomani, guys. Uh, give us a like on, as we get to this third and final segment with Bomani, but here he is. But I got I to gotta ask you about Carmelo, though, before, before we get out of here, because, um, you know, obviously he retired, complicated history with Denver. How do you think Denver Nuggets fans should feel about Carmelo Anthony? I think, he, did they get like 25 games better the second he showed up? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, 2003 was the darkest of dark days. And then he yeah. arrived and it was a whole new era. No, he's a guy that resuscitated the relevance of the franchise. I think the problem for Melo in some total, and this is not just about Denver, this applies to a degree in New York. He's so much fun to watch, and his game was just so yeah. beautiful. But there was always a cap to how good you were going to be with Carmelo being your being your best player in a way that I don't <laughs> think it's fair to say is Carmelo's fault, right? Like, was he the best distributor? Da, da, da. No, but he was raised in a different paradigm of basketball. Like, he was the player that he was meant to be. And so for me, as somebody from, you know, outside of Denver, he was the reason to pay attention to that team. Like, to me, the idea that they gave his number – to anybody let alone look when they gave it to him they gave it to a second round pick right, right. that was ridiculous like yeah. that's just not that's not something that you michael vick got caught fighting dogs in atlanta and they wouldn't give it nobody number right. seven like you know right. like this this isn't something that you should have done so i know on the way out it got bad but from my understanding of it it had so little to do with denver and very very little really to do with the nuggets and what you did have that people lose sight of is one of the best negotiators on planet Earth in Masai Ujiri. And on the other side, Jim <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Now, let me explain something to you real fast about Masai. I met Masai one time. Saw him at Summer League last year. And what I walked up and told him was, I lived for a year in your hometown, which is true. My parents had Fulbright uh, fellowships, and they were in Zaria, North, uh, Zaria, Nigeria, West Africa. We were there. Okay. My mother has a PhD in economics. 
And it's a it, there's a very bizarre element of the economy there. B a z a a r bizarre, right, like right, very, right. You know, trading economy there. There's just a lot of unnamed prices, just negotiation, and they were wearing my mama out. She's a very very sweet lady. They was wearing her out. Let me tell you something. After that one year over there, my mama came back here a lean, mean, negotiating machine. <laughs> because in the end, negotiations come yes. down to your stomach and right. what you can handle. And Masai knew he had a mark on the other side and he wasn't stopping until he extracted every bit of surplus that he could from that mark. Oh. And who gets the blame for it? Mellow. Right. That right. like that's just, that's just always been my outlook on it. He it was a lifestyle change that he seemed to want at the time. And I do know that people in smaller places tend to be kind of resentful yeah. when these things come up. It felt a little dishonest at the time because Carmelo kept referring to New York as his birthplace, like he did right, 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 right. tattooed on his arm. You know, like it yeah, yeah. it got weird in those ways, but I think that if the Nuggets were my team. That's a no-brainer. We retire your jersey and we remember you fondly sort of situation. But I don't think, I think very often you got to have something that allows like some inflection point for the thaw. It took forever with Vince Carter in Toronto. And then one day they did a video tribute or whatever and he got the standing ovation. And then it's like, oh, wow, the importance of Vince Carter really got through. It's kind of sad now that for the Nuggets, it's kind of a little too late. Like, you think? Glad, well, I feel like, as once Melo was just a dude in the NBA, right? Yeah, you know, and look with Portland, it could have been a hey surprise, and right. then we just do this, and then he gets choked up because he didn't see it coming, and then the fans also get choked up because they Man. hadn't seen it like that, and they'd have been like, "Damn, you know what? Those Melo years were actually pretty cool." Man, I, I'm curious about that. First of all, they gave the number to Anthony Randolph first. Jokic is oh, the wow. second guy, so <laughs> they were quit. Anybody want 15? Anybody want it? Let's, it's open if anybody wants it. But so there was that. But here's the, here's another perspective on it. I, it you kind of touched on it, but 2010 is the start of player empowerment. It's the start. It's the decision. It's the start. And Melo was the second guy. And I think it was a raw deal for Denver and that. We're 13 years into this. Nobody's forced to trade to Denver. And I don't think that's changing in the next 15 years. Nobody's. So it's this deal that this new paradigm where it's like, well, this is really bad for us. It's really good for the other places and it'll never work out. And there was, I think, a little bit of a resentment for that of, hey, if you're a good player, you probably don't want to be in Denver. So I think Melo takes a lot of the brunt of that, even though, and I always say, player free agency warranted your right. But something probably has to be given up, and maybe it's the affection of the fan base where you yes. started out. You just lost a little bit of it. That being said, I hope that this has a happy ending, and it's like, okay, Melo did not win for 10 years. He did not win in Denver, and I think it's the coolest thing that he somehow always lost. But now that it's <laughs> over, now that it's over, I do look at it, and I go, he's the fifth best player, fourth best player in franchise history. You got you, you to gotta remember this. Yeah, and I it's – it's it's funny that you mentioned like all of that as it comes together with player empowerment. Cause what happened was Mello, Mello didn't do what the other guys did, and they signed those three-year deals, and Mello right. signed the fourth. If he had signed the three-year deal, and then maybe he finds a way to make it work. Because look, here's the thing. He left Denver to take on the most impossible challenge. Win with the Knicks. You know, right. like he yeah, decided yeah. he wanted to go climb K2. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that that, right. that that was the game that he played, but I would I would understand why a team and a fan base, like all of that, I could see why it would hit them um, in the ways that he did. But Melo is so overall such a non-offensive dude 
that it does feel weird when people yeah. have like passionate negative feelings um about him but his whole career is just to me very very interesting to view um and look at because the new york years like there's been the discussion in new york about whether they should retire his jersey and they should but the problem is they started with such a lofty standard on jersey retirements that it's not in line with what they actually are yeah and so what you're going to have is nobody since patrick ewing getting a jersey retired by the knicks which then says no Melo decided he wanted this insanity Right, right. No one else has. Right. He did. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, the Carmelo legacy is weird. I would love to see him come and and do some sort of um, mending of the fence, so to speak. I know that sounds weird to me, but I just part of this is I don't know if he wants Denver to love him. And it would be nice for him to be like, no, I do. It means a lot. And I don't regret no. anything. And I would just love I, I feel like there's a moment for that. Perhaps. No, I think he does because nobody wants to be Alex Rodriguez where you right. play for all these teams yep. and you don't have a home, you right. know, like, and Denver will probably never be the home, right. but I do think that he, I mean, he's, they, New York has come around, Yeah, but I do think he'd like to have it in Denver. Yeah. yeah, show up courtside with the Jokic jersey on here next week. Uh, you know that might do it. Well, that's the thing. He's we're easy, little, man. We're easy. He's just got to get old enough that he can root for because he's right. not there yet. He just left, yeah. right? Yeah. He gets a little older that he could come out there in a sweater with a jersey over it. Bomani, you are one of my absolute favorites. This is honestly a a, a big moment for me to get to talk to you, uh, be on the other side of a podcast with you. So thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to have you on again at some point to talk Coach Prime. We didn't get to it. I was I had a oh, couple yeah, Coach Primes. And I know guys, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. He is Bomani Jones, guys. Check out the Right Time Podcast, Game Theory on HBO. We'll see you. I love Bomani, man. Great interview, man. I'm I thought that was great. I appreciate it, man. That was, like, for me, <clears throat> a big-time moment, you know? I think I've done some of these, you know, already, like, guys that I've been looking up to or I listen to. I'm just like, he gets it. He gets it. He gets it. I want to be the one to ask him questions. That one for me, S-tier. S-tier. Nice. And he brought it, too. Like like I said, the thing, and you can kind of tell, there was no intro to that. I had an intro prepared. <laughs> but as soon as he hopped on the Zoom, it was just, like, going. I've heard people say that they've gone on Bo Money Show, and people say, oh, good job. And they're like, man. Bo just has a way. I keep calling him Bo. I don't know why. <laughs> you and Bo. I, I, That's your talk. I, I probably should be. I gotta go Bo money. I don't think I'm on Bo terms yet. But uh, that have said, once you, you start talking to him, he's just so conversational. That's exactly what it was. That I didn't hit record to begin because as soon as he hopped on the Zoom, it, it was the pod was on and I wasn't ready for it. And I just. Yeah. When it's well, like I'm glad you remembered to hit record. It's like a musician. You know what I feel like? You know, like there's musicians that play lounges or this or that, and then they'll tell the story of like, you know, uh, Duke Ellington came in and he played with me. And then there I was and had to keep up. That's how I felt. You know, like I'm the musician and here's the start. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, yeah. you, it's always cool when someone's interested in the subject matter. Yeah. And that sounds like yeah. such a given, like it would be the base layer of what we're doing here. But Sometimes you can tell when an answer feels like someone is completing a homework assignment, right? right yeah. Versus yeah. this is they're there because they want to talk. So that was awesome, and I think Bomani's always always shows an interest in whatever the topic at hand is, a deep interest, and you can tell he knows Jokic and knows the Nuggets, and that's that's really all Nuggets fans are asking for. <laughs> it's not, you know, you that's don't. I said we're easy, man. Yeah. It's not like he made his show about the Nuggets. Right, he just right. sometimes talks about them, and wouldn't you know it, the show's still there. Well, I'll yeah. say this. This is my thing with, with Bomani, and I wanted to bring it up on the show, but again, just ran out of time, but this idea Coach that, Prime? Uh, no, not Coach <laughs> oh, Prime. I did right. want to get to that with him, okay. nice. separate from the Nugget show, of course. But that there's so much bullshit surrounding Jokic. Not that he brings 
And the people that get caught up in that, I always sort of like, I don't want to say lose respect, but I look, roll my eyes when I see somebody that's just obsessed with the bullshit of Jokic. And there are some people that just see through that where they're like, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't. And that's Bomani to me. Like the way he talks about him, things will be brought up like the analytics thing. And he'll be like, yeah, I see your point. But does that apply here? Or are you pushing that, projecting that onto him? And I just feel like Bomani always sifts through the bullshit on not just the Jokic topic, but on, on almost all topics, if not all topics, to where he gets at the heart of what's actually important. And with I, I, I'm not surprised that he likes Jokic. You know what I mean? I'm not surprised because anybody that watches him through honest eyes is going to see something compelling about him, and that's why I love him. But we got to take a break. On the other side, we are now. It's time to get to the topic of the day around oh the interwebs. We can probably just skip it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we can have a little fun with it. We can have a little fun with it. The Nuggets are just boring, Harrison. Why aren't they? <laughs> so boring. Why don't we tell more stories about them? Well, the stories are just so boring. Yeah. Clearly, there's no audience. There's no audience for it. Yeah, there's no audience. We'll talk about work. that on the other side. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Make sure to pick up some Mile High City Golden Ale for the finals maybe you crack one open while watching celtics heat tonight oh yeah if you don't know where to get oh, breck yeah. brew check out the breck brew beer Got locator plans. that's on breckenridgebrewery.com that will tell you where to get breck brew closest to you stop into the dnvr bar we got breck brew on tap but if you're not local don't worry about it check out the breck brew beer locator Make sure to pick up some Mile High City Gold Nail, as well as, you know, all the favorites that you've got from Breck Brew. BreckenridgeBrewery.com. That's where you can go for all that. Breck Brew is the official beer of DNVR. Uh, also at DraftKings right now, of course, we got the NBA season going on. We got the NBA Finals on tap. The chase for the NBA title is in full swing well, the best in the NBA battle it out. You can get all the playoff action at your fingertips with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Absolutely instant on that. Plus, everybody right now can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day during the NBA playoffs. Yes, today, tomorrow, the next day. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Opt-in. Place that same game parlay on any NBA game. If your bet loses, they'll get you'll they will give you a bonus bet back in the amount of your initial bet up to ten dollars. Make sure to download the app now. Sign up with code DNVR. New customers can make a five dollar bet and score one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler in Massachusetts. Call eight hundred three two seven five zero five zero. Or visit gamblinghelpline.org in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All righty, we're back here. Segment three. First, Kale, did you manage to pull up the Jokic Brothers video? Did I get that one to you? All right, let me send it to you. We'll go to the Chris Mannix thing first then anyway. And so, look, every day on Twitter, <laughs> hold on. every day on Twitter, there is a mood. This is what, one of the things I hate about Twitter. I both love and hate Twitter, but one of the things I hate about it is every day there is a mood, and then everybody performs that mood. And it becomes this thing that naturally ropes us all in 
to performing the same mood, right? Today's mood is dunking on Chris Mannix because he said something really dumb that was probably not an accident. He went on a podcast and we were talked about the media coverage. I think it actually was about Michael Malone. And in his yeah. pushback said, well, the Nuggets just aren't that interesting. Now, here's the thing. He's dead wrong, like, of course. But again, there's nothing we like more as a mob than when somebody is dead wrong because we get to come out with all of our torches and like, hey, let's all let's string them up. Nonetheless, let's string them up for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell where he was going with this for a bit. Well, oh. I'm just saying there like, was like a performative nature to this of, of like, course. you know, I got wrapped I mean? like, up in it, too. But yeah, but yeah, but, and it, but at the same time, man, he brought it on himself wrong. because yeah. What what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kayla's ready for the next part. Anyway, Harrison, do you? I mean, what, what's your comment when you see this uh, this thing? I'm first of all, I'm just so tired of this shit. Like, I'm really, really tired of this. People are just so pissed off that the Nuggets are in the finals and that they beat the Suns and that they beat the Lakers <laughs> and that even though we are talking about LeBron's retirement and now how he needs surgery this summer, that we're not talking about LeBron the finals. I'm just so over people being pissed off about it. Um, of course he's dead wrong, and I can run down the list if you just want to let me ISO for five minutes about all the reasons why the Nuggets are fascinating and interesting all right. and maybe just actually the most interesting team in the NBA. <laughs> That's the thing is you're not wrong by a little bit. Yeah. But it also just comes down to the fact that the national media, for the most part, is lazy. Not all national media people, but a lot. And it is just so much easier to talk about LeBron James and his legacy. And if another championship is going to put him above Michael Jordan. Right. <laughs> or who's going to join LeBron in L.A. next summer to form the next super team? Where's Joel Embiid going to go? What's going to happen with Damian Lillard? Hold on, hold on. Did Draymond punch a teammate? How do they get past this? Because that's one of the things he said is there hasn't been a lot of drama like we've seen with the Warriors. And I'm thinking like, come on, man. It's not just drama. That stuff is so much easier to talk about yeah. than actually doing some damn research and, oh, learning about how, oh, Jamal Murray tore his ACL two years ago and actually came back a better player in every facet of his game. Right. It, it, that stuff is easier to talk about than actually, you know, getting to know the Michael Porter Jr. story and being like, wait, this guy, this guy recovered from three back surgeries and is a former number one pick, former number one option his entire life and bought into being a third or fourth option on a championship team because that's what the Nuggets needed from him in order to win a ring this year. Like, doing that stuff is so easy. And it, it just takes a little <laughs> bit of work to understand the Nuggets and actually what makes this story so interesting. But that takes a little effort, and a lot of people don't want to do that. There's my spiel. <clears throat> I no, can well, keep no, going, no. too. I'm happy to follow that. Uh, let me see if I have some heat here. No, I just... My biggest thing was just that he was wrong and that it's not... It's not... Well, the Nuggets reaction today, Nuggets fans reaction, right? That kind of thing. It's not unsolicited. And this wasn't a private opinion. This wasn't a... He got it. He got on a show. He said it into a mic and he doubled down on it. And he's wrong. Right. I, I've been wrong plenty of times before. People let me know. It's it's part of the gig. And and look, I I get that it can sound annoying, and we're probably reaching whatever the threshold here is of like we've all got our pitchforks out. 
But listen, man, it's it's the gaslighting. It's one thing to ignore Denver. It's another thing to get in a mic and say either A, it's not happening, or B, I have a good reason for why it's not happening, and you all need to stop whining. Yeah. No, you don't. You want people to... So last point for me, I know there's an irony too. We all get mad that they don't cover the Nuggets, and then when they speak about the Nuggets, we hate what they have to say. But I still like that... I don't think people even want their coverage. They just want to hold them accountable and present the evidence to go, look, man, Malone isn't making this up and you're contributing to it with this these kinds of takes. It's a real thing, and you're wrong. That's why I loved Harrison's take was, you know, he just gave Michael Malone bulletin board material. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Michael Malone had loves playing that note that he's been playing so far. They're like, oh, you guys weren't on us earlier. Now you want He loves playing that note, and then everyone clapped back at him with like, hey, what do you guys want? And we think you're good. And he, I think there was a moment of frustration for him where he's like, how do I play this without everybody getting mad at me? And I think you're right. Chris Maddox just gave him the pass. They're like, oh, oh no, no, no. We don't know how to talk about enough you. ammunition for maybe not just the finals, but maybe for next season as well. So can we see the presser? Let's fast forward here. Yeah, I wanna, yeah. I'm going to give my best Malone. I want to hear yours. He's going to be like, a lot of people are saying that we're a boring team. I've heard I, the media want to tell us we're boring. I'd, we have a two-time MVP, but I don't know how you could he's, say that. But he's going to use the word "compelling." Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people say that's not a compelling storyline. I think it's a very compelling storyline. Uh, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, you know, just passing Wilt again. Boring. Yeah, boring. yeah. You know, I know that's boring. Yeah, it's it's boring. So let's let's skip to the next item. Do <laughs> you got a Michael Malone here in a presser? Well, I know everyone in here is a little disappointed that uh, <laughs> it's not L.A. or Boston, but yeah. something like that. Yeah, oh, something I like can't that. wait. He's Listen, I, I also love, I just, I love, there were some big Boston media ch coming down from their uh, ivory towers to let us know how the whole thing works today. Uh, yeah, I get I get it that, that there's a cycle of you only talk about one thing and that's the stuff that gets clicks. Your outlet will not go under one night if you write an article about the Nuggets. Your radio station will not go under one night if you write an article about the Nuggets. You can still cover the Celtics. You can still cover the Lakers. But when you get in front of a microphone and you say that a team that's never been to the finals is in the finals is not compelling, you're going to get dunked on. I think the thing is that the longer I'm in media and I mean, some of these guys consider themselves more journalists than they are media members or content creators. I'm probably more on the content creator side or podcast host, what you want to say. Nonetheless, obviously do some journalism at different times. It's a lot about having soft eyes, soft eyes where you're watching something and you, you can see what the interesting angle is. And that's the job. The job is the sport exists, it happens, and then the media members kind of look at it and say, what is interesting? For So for him to sit back and say, there's nothing interesting, to me it's like, no, you're just not doing the job. Have you ever like sat in a lecture or something and you totally zoned out the entire time and somebody asks you what's about and you're like, Nah, I was not. I mean, should not LeBron join the Warriors? I that should should he? I don't know. Well, but I mean, again, that's also just lazy. But what I'm saying is, there's something too. If you just watch this Nuggets team find the interesting story, they are there. It's your ability to find that story that makes you a good or your ability to find it and your ability to tell that story that makes you a good or bad journalist. So if anybody says there's just not a story here, it's like, eh, look, go back. If you did that in class, imagine if you were assigned in journalism school, like, all right, you're going to write about the Denver Nuggets. And you came back to your teacher. I was like, to be honest, man, there's just nothing there. I mean, I looked at them and there's they're just not a good story. Your teacher would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Go back and yeah. look. Go back and look again. Unacceptable answer. Yeah. Um, want a compelling story, you guys? 
You guys want a Calvin compelling Booth, story? First time GM getting the sum, getting Rhetorical the job question, last but... summer. Yeah. Okay. Making multiple moves like to it. give Denver a championship caliber defense and the Nuggets championship DNA. First of all, first Cal- time GM who took the job. Like in the middle of an offseason? Ex-player, by the way, and also a big man. Just like it's you think about the ex-player mold, it's almost always point guards, right? They yeah. go into coaching in front office. A big man coming to do this, but also Calvin Booth, very, very interesting person. Nobody's even talked about him. Think about it. He's an interesting guy, man. Calvin Booth is. Yeah. Nobody even does that. I'll tell you this. I went on CityCast. I'll be on the CityCast podcast tomorrow. And those guys are not ball watchers, you know, like the, the the people in there. Admittedly, you know, they're trying to learn more about it. That's why they had me on. And they asked me for an underrated story. And I told them about Michael Porter and these three back surgeries. As I'm telling the story, their jaws are on the floor. And I'm not hamming this up. I'm just telling the facts <laughs> about now this guy had three back surgeries. And now he starts and does this role. So, yes. Those are some great some great stories. Michael Malone, son of a coach, a kind of very well-known former coach who coached with the bad boy Pistons. Coach LeBron. Who everybody in Denver has wanted fired for the last three years. The fourth longest tenured coach in right. the NBA right. behind Greg Popovich, yep. Eric freaking Spolstra, and Steve Kerr, yep. who has made all the right moves this playoffs and can become like a central figure in Denver after this playoff run. Pretty good story, I think. Think about how many years Jeff Green has played in the NBA and how many different players he's played with. And yet, he's in the NBA Finals right now with Jokic. Don't you think that guy has some perspective to be mined from from some of these people? Aaron Gordon, bad stats or good stats, bad team, empty calorie. He's not a winner. All the years he he was in Orlando, hey, he's a winner now. Right. How about that? There's no shortage of stories. You just have to have, again, those soft eyes to be able to look at it. But to get out of here, you want one last good story. I was actually asking rhetorically, when, but I'm glad that you asked it. You guys want a good story about the Nuggets? I do think we have super chats, too. But oh, ahead. we do have some super chats. Uh, let's take a look at the immediate aftermath of Game 4. Nuggets beat the Lakers. Emotional win. Mm. Let's see first some behind the Nuggets scenes. First Nuggets history. Go first. to the finals for the first time. Yep. How did that video get out? I don't know, but it's out there, and my God, is it an absolute banger. Is it not a banger of a video? First of all, Jokic working out lifting weights in his uniform. After game four. After game four. Listening to the Joker. Listening to the Joker. Come on. You got the brothers. First of all, that hug, that's the most painful hug I've ever seen. That is just a little sliver of what goes on every single day in the (laughs) Jokic household. I just love that Jokic is bigger That's than all. Par His for the brothers course. are enormous, and he's somehow way bigger. And they grab him by the neck, shake him around you like this to hug see, him. Like, the then physical strain that he's feeling, like, oh. yeah. Then flips off the camera for some reason, an inexplicable reason. I just, I thought it was the coolest video. I also love the growl. That it's <laughs> the most like, it's like a lion's roar. Yeah. I I'm think, obsessed with this I think video. I've watched it a hundred times. Nemanja did that to me. Like I would be in the hospital the next day. All right, dude, are you kidding me? I, I first, might be dead. They're so happy in the way he just shakes his neck. I'm just like, oh my, be careful, man. That's the two-time MVP. You can't hurt him. I love the video. I thought it was great. All right, we got some super chats. 
All righty then, Ryan Mordecai, will this be compelling? <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> Real quick, I forgot. I asked Miroslav to translate what uh, Strahinia is screaming into the microphone. He says, this is for the history books. Look what he's doing after the game, lifting weights. That's how you become a champion. Mm. So hyping him up. All right. I like it. Dylan McLeod, Nuggets love Twitter, that. has been so spicy since game three. I love it, and I'm here for all the pettiness. Got to get spicy, man. Josh Davis, just wanted to thank Bo for coming on a local pod and covering the Nuggets if we win the chip. How will it change the NBA and future team, team building? Well, you know, um, I don't think it will change it that much, but maybe, maybe a little bit. I think, I think it'll change something. People want to win, man. People want to win championships, and I don't know that you're going to get the, the top players, but I do think, I think the bigger thing will be Bruce Brown goes out and gets some monster contract. I do think that would almost have a bigger impact than if uh, the Nuggets win a title. Just because there'll be another Bruce Brown going like, all right, I got three choices. This one over here just got Bruce paid. I'm going to go over there. I wonder yeah. if it inspires a little more patience in other sort of mid or mid-to-market teams, larger mid-market teams. Yeah. Now it's a lot easier when Jokic is the guy, a la Tim Duncan. He just doesn't want to leave and all that. But patience was a big keyword here for what the Nuggets were able to do. Malone said it many times. I wonder if it just inspires more teams to stay yeah. the course. Maybe, yeah. Ryan Mordecai, definitely compelling. <laughs> he followed up. Good. All right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Christopher Bueller, do you know when they are announcing the most valuable Philadelphian? They seem to be late <laughs> to announce the award. Is an NBA a lock this year? I thought they announced it already. Yeah, they already announced MVP. If that was a joke, then I... It was a joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if he was saying he missed it. Um, do I have to read the name? No. Clarity. Bruce Brown Yeah. Dylan, Malone, when the Nuggets win. I know this is the least compelling championship to happen. <laughs> hey, uh, the Super Chatters brought it today, guys. They did. The super pretty brought it. Listen, I, I know we, we have a hard time not complaining. And and you know what? It's fun too. That's part of it. Yeah, but it is. Just stick with us. More for us, right? The the less they want to do it, that's why we exist. There is a market for it. We found it. There's an audience for it. It's you. Stick with us. We appreciate you. Guys, if you haven't been checking out thednvr.com, absolute bangers up on, up on there right now. These two gentlemen have been writing some bangers lately. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it, so don't just watch the show. Read the content as well. Everybody hit the like button for us on the way out. Be back tomorrow. D-Line will be with us again tomorrow. He'll be back. Oh, we'll see you guys great. tomorrow. <laughs>